Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Well, good morning. This is going to be fun. We're going to start things off with a conversation from somebody who about 2.40 this afternoon is going to be a major feature of the University of Minnesota. They are going to retire the jersey of one Willie Burton, and Willie joins us right now. Willie, how how great is it to be back in town? How many of your teammates are going to be reassembled for the uh, ceremony this afternoon at the Gopher basketball game? Well, there's quite a few of us here. Um, uh, you'll see us uh, behind the bench uh, at the game all together. Uh, it's a wonderful event, a wonderful opportunity for uh, the university and some of the things that, that we've accomplished while, while, while I was here and, and we were here. Willie, you also, you, you've done a lot since you got out and you've, you, your path has been well documented. You've seen everything in your life over the last several years, professional basketball and beyond, but you went back and got your degree and committed yourself to some other things. Tell us how you've grown up in the last... 15 years and what you've gone through to get to this point, which is much bigger than basketball? Well, first, um, become a, a parent, you know, a responsible parent. That was first and foremost. Um, and then not only that, going in and becoming a substitute teacher in my kids' classrooms, that was the foundation. Uh, because if you can't get engaged and be involved in your own kids' lives, uh, then it's hard to do that for others. Uh, the second aspect of it was finishing my master's degree and creating a program uh, for populations, the student athlete and extracurricular activity students that doesn't exist in education. Uh, that's required by the National Interscholastic uh, Athletic Association. And um, just working and being, you know, a public servant to help those that are in need. Willie, uh, what will this mean to you when you see them uh, unveil your uh, retired uh, jersey uh, high up there in Williams Arena? I think it's a special moment. Um, as I said before, it's a special moment for all of us, um, all of those that, that are involved. I think, as I said on the other programs, I'll say and keep it consistent, uh, there's more than just Willie Burton, you know. Everyone that's involved will go for basketball. And it'll also serve as a motivating factor for those involved in future uh, gopher sports, not just basketball, that giving credit to those behind the scenes that helped us, you know, get to the position that we were in. Now, I did a few things, don't get me wrong. I scored a few baskets. I made a few <laughs> plays. But that was my role, okay? Richard's role was to get the incredible rebound. Melvin's role was to make the play offensively and take the ball defensively. Walter's play, Walter's responsibility was to make everyone else around him better. We all had a role to play. You know, my role just may have been a little more extensive responsibility-wise. Well, you, you people, for, you know, I don't forget this. Dave doesn't forget this. People that lived it. But, but it, was, it was a period of time in Gopher basketball where they were kind of coming back and Clem Haskins had taken over and, and you were a couple years into it. And all of a sudden, you guys went on a roll. And uh, the masked bandit Willie Burton and the NCAA tournament, that image of you having to play with that mask on your face. And 
and it really woke up the echoes at Williams Arena again. And, uh, you know, the, the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight uh, runs uh, really just uh, enthralled and, and, and brought everybody in March in, into the basketball and the NCAA tournament. What do you remember about those two runs? I remember us finally growing up, our experience level. Um, we stopped worrying about the coach leading us. We took the information from our coach, took it on the floor, and held each other accountable. It was a good time. And I, the fans had a lot to do with that also. William Green can get really, really loud. I mean, he can get really loud. I don't know if people realize that, but when it gets loud in there, it's, to me, it's like it's like charging my battery, you know? Um, hmm. And for my teammates, it was the same way. You know, we, we responded. You know, Willie, how great can it be? The, the game today is against Michigan State, of course, your background. In Michigan, uh, it's an important game. Richard Pitino is going to be our guest on this show about six or seven minutes from right now. If he needs you, could he get like three, four minutes out of you yeah. and, and, and bump a few in from the three to make the difference today? Yeah, that that would be highly unlikely. I don't want to get in the team's way. You know, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you know, we, we look at things from the past and, 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 and really – it's their turn now. You know, Willie can be an inspiration as far as information. You know, a coach had me come speak to the team yesterday. Um, as far as from an inspirational standpoint. But, you know, too many guys, when they leave sports, they're highly critical because they haven't mentally realized that the game is over for them. Or the young ladies also. I see it with females now also, so it's not just males. And I think we need to support those that are in position and not realize and put ourselves in a position of trying to be them anymore. As a matter of fact, it's really time to find something else to do and prove that you're more than an athlete. That's, <laughs> that's a great point. And yeah. I'll tell you what, that's also one of the hardest things there is to do in life because they give you guys the money early in life and, and then you get done and you're going, what do I do next? But it's one of the most difficult as I study these people, and I know them over the years, the Willie Burtons and beyond, it's one of the most difficult transitions there is, Willie, is, is to take yourself and, and, and to, uh, to, to take – everybody's told you how good you are forever, and now you've got to get in the back of the line and try to work your way up again. Usually most people work their way up the whole way, and they kind of peak out as they, as they get older. It doesn't happen that way for athletes, and it's a really different, difficult emotionally and mentally on guys. Yeah, the cognitive – um, information that's being implemented within an individual starts from the age of five. And if you go until you're 35, now you have 35 years of programming being one way to try to change or alter or reduce that programming. Number one, it takes information being delivered in at an earlier age, like I had, saying, you know, be a student athlete first, college education, responsibility, respect. I've always had those, you know, um, those times in my life where I had the adults or programs or coaches around me that were instilling in that. Now, the individuals who don't receive that, they're going to have a much more difficult time because their whole life is based around a game. Or, and, and this is not a negative, they're going to go into coaching. They're going to do something around the sport. And that, this is not everyone, don't get me wrong. But they cannot let the sport go in the sense of doing it 24 hours a day. Willie, uh, just for a minute, let's go back to what's going to happen this afternoon. How did you learn about it? Did you get a phone call? If so, uh, who did it come from, and how did you feel when you when you learned about this? Well, the phone call came from the athletic director at okay. the University of Minnesota, and um, 
it was out of nowhere. I was literally driving down the street, and I kind of said the story. And then I, I wanted to call to make sure that it wasn't a hoax. So, of course, I called, I called Caitlin. There's Caitlin still there, right? Yeah. Now, now normally, Caitlin is calling the shots and moving around. This yeah. First time I heard Caitlin say, I can't comment on that right now. <laughs> I went, okay. Hats out the bag now. So, okay. It's true. <laughs> well, it's great stuff, and you'll get a great ovation, and rightly so today, Willie. Congratulations on another milestone, and uh, thanks for allowing us to relive some of those memories. Well, thank you very much, and I really appreciate and enjoy, you know, CCO and, and, and everything that you guys have done while, while I was here. You guys made my journey here, you and the other programs and the media outlets, and everyone made a journey here very professional. Uh, and made my my experience uh, very, very, very enjoyable. Well, Sid will get in here in about uh, 45 minutes. He's going to be disappointed that he wasn't here. I hope he makes it over this yeah, afternoon. Yeah, he'll probably see this afternoon. Okay. Right. Tell, tell Sid I said hello. Sure and uh, I want to say Twin Cities again, thank you for a wonderful experience. And, and it's time for me to start spending more time also back here in the Twin Cities again. I'm going to wrap up here with the Detroit Public Schools this school year. Um, oh. Uh, I, I, you know, uh, helping them. I think I've, I've done a great job of helping them get some things in order, make some suggestions. Um, but it's time for me to spend time with, in a place uh, that I originally came here to live. Yeah. Well, you got so many friends here, and uh, today would be the uh, the good start uh, on your way to being here a whole lot more frequently. Well, I appreciate that, and thank you for your time. Thanks, right. Willie. Thank you, Willie. That's Willie Burton. We'll be back. Dr. Richard Patino right after this. Sports Huddle, Sid, Dave, and Mike. Well, how much fun is this? We go from Gopher basketball of about 25 years ago, maybe a little bit more, to uh, this afternoon. Gophers have a huge game this afternoon. Michigan State here. Tickets still available. The Willie Burton ceremony at halftime. We just talked to Willie. Coach, we asked him if uh, he could give you three or four minutes, but uh, even though he can still uh, hit the jumper, he said the, the game has changed. He's going to leave it to your, your current team to, uh, to take care of business today. I tell you what, he, he looks like he could still play, too. He looks great. Looks like he's still in shape. You know, it's funny um, just getting to know him a little bit and, and starting to, um, you know, research just his career. Um, you know, I didn't realize he had a 50-point game in the NBA. You know? <laughs> we were just yep. talking. It kind of came out of nowhere one night, you know? Yeah, no doubt. And uh, I was talking. I went to the Wolves game last night just for a half with my son, and I was talking to John Thomas about it, and uh, I didn't I didn't realize that. So, I mean, what he did, uh, you know, obviously at our level uh, was amazing. And, you know, he had a great message to our team. Uh, we had him speak to the team before the game. And what's cool about it is you can tell he watches our team and he knows our team. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of relatable things um, that he could help our guys with. Let me, I don't mean to get off the deep end here, uh, but what we're talking about, Willie, one of the things that he's been big on is mental health and his own life and, you know, pretty well chronicled uh, you know, struggles he's had and ways he's gotten through it. How do you, Richard, as a as a coach, you know, there's two things. You're trying to win games, obviously, and then you want kids to get through here and say, I'm a much better person and much better educated because I went through this basketball program, which means you've got to really be in touch and in tune with where they're at emotionally all the time, which changes a lot, particularly because their ego's been so tied up in basketball for much of their life, and if they're not playing or they're not getting minutes, they start to think, well, maybe I'm not worthy as a person. It's, it's a natural we, progression we see all the time. How, how do you try to coach through that? It, every coach deals with this, but what, what do you try to do to stay in touch with those kids so you know where they're at emotionally? Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's uh, quite a uh, difficult thing to do. Um, social media, number one, 
I think is such a yep. cause for depression and cause for anxiety. And, you know, everybody's comparing everything to each other. And, you know, the biggest thing that you got to get them to understand is, yeah, we're, we're, we're in, you know, obviously the business of winning games, but you know, it's, it's so much, there's so much more to life than that. I mean, even for me, you know, like, like this is a small part of, of my life and, you know, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to be gone from here one day and, and, my record's really not going to matter. What's going to matter is the impact that I make on people. And, you know, going into my seventh year, you know, eight as a head coach, really one of my favorite things is like when I, when I'm connecting with my former players who come back, um, you know, like you see Otto Oceanics behind the bench with the child and it, that's the best part. Um, you know, so it, it's a challenge. Um, you, you've got to have great relationships with them and tell them like you could talk to me about anything. And if I can't help you, uh, you know, certainly we can provide other services for you. And I think to you and Mark Coyle have done a really good job of becoming more and more aware of all those things. But it's certainly a very uh, important topic uh, to talk about. And, uh, you know, the biggest thing for me is to have a great relationship with my players and show them that I care. Richard, clearly we want to talk some about the game this afternoon against Michigan State. But before we do that, uh, the records show it's been almost impossible to win on the road this year in the Big Ten. But nevertheless, you did that at Ohio State. Looking back, your reflections on the, on the final minutes of that game at Ohio State. Well, obviously we showed great toughness um, physically to defend and rebound when we needed to. But also, I thought mentally we made a lot of really, really good, smart plays down the stretch. You know, I mean, there's so many times you see games where you go, what are they doing? Um, and then I think you forget sometimes when you make the right plays, you, you certainly got to applaud that. I thought that we got to stop when we needed to. They called a timeout. Gabe Kalsher had an unbelievable blockout. Marcus Carr came down and rebounded the ball with two hands uh, the right way. And then we had an underneath that a bounce play where they took away the first option. We got to the second option. We had a nice fade screen on the weak side that opened up the court for Marcus to drive downhill. Uh, and then, obviously, uh, the play at the end, we executed properly. So um, you have to be – you always talk about toughness, but you have to be mentally tough um, to kind of almost stay in your lane and, and not make too many mistakes on the road because it's hard to build a lead on the road. And, uh, obviously, we made some big plays at the end. You know, at the end of that Michigan State game the other night, uh, they had the right possession. The right When you watched the replay, you thought the ball was going to go in the hoop that would have tied the game and sent it to overtime, and it didn't. They did every, And I go, whoa, this is quite a way to make a living, you're reminded of. Uh, but when when you see Michigan State come in, and, and what, a, what a, as I watched that, I was reminded, and of course I go back to watching them at Des Moines last year as well against you guys, they just are relentless, aren't they? There's never a point in the game where they think they're out of it, and there's never a point in the game where they're not going to pressure. Yeah, I mean they're they're big and they're strong, um, and they're old. You know, I mean, it's, yep. That's, that's with a point the, guard uh, that's got experience. Yeah, and 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 a point guard who just over and over and over again makes big plays. You know, I am very very excited for him to move on from this league. I'm sick of playing <laughs> against him. Um, you know, and I I I talk to Marcus a lot about like you could be the next Cassius. You have similar mm-hmm. type games. Um, you know, you, he's somebody you should watch and model your game after. So. Obviously, Coach Izzo does a great job of, uh, you know, putting in his system, recruiting to his system, and everybody embraces it. And, uh, you know, we got to be ready. You know, we practice all week with that bubble on the rim, did a lot of rebounding drills. Uh, you got to hit bodies or else they'll make you look silly. 
You know, uh, as we've grown to, to see Carr's game uh, mature, I think a number of interviews we did last year where you talked about at practice, practice yeah. after practice, when your yeah. best players was Marcus Carr, yet we knew so little a bit about him. You can't help but watch him this year and say, boy, what if? What if you'd gotten uh, that year and he'd been part of that team last year? Well, it didn't work out that time. We're going to have him going forward an extra year, but what a ball player he's turned out to be. Well, and how about this, too? I mean, and you hate to play the what-if game, but what if Amir Coffey stayed and was a oh, senior yeah. and, and, right. and, and Eric Curry didn't get hurt? Um, you know, and it, it just kind of is what it is. I mean, we've had, um, I don't know if bad luck's the right word because Amir's getting a great opportunity. And, you know, obviously Marcus's situation, the, the waiver process is just different with everybody. Um, you know, but that kind of is what it is. I mean, it, it opens up opportunities for everybody else. Um, you know, and maybe it, maybe Marcus is a better player because he sat out and, He's more ready to be good right away because he saw the game from the bench and understood it because he's a student of the game. Uh, but he's really, really tough. He obviously uh, he's got great confidence, great belief in what he's doing, and he's also he's a he's a throwback leader. You know, he's uh, you, you know you're, these guys are in college, so they're not going to be comfortable at all times of holding each other accountable. And Marcus really sets the tone there. You know, and and you said it, and you know he broke that kid's ankles the other day, as they say in basketball, to make the shot. And you could just see he had no doubt that he wanted that shot in that moment. Did you know that you'd get that this year, or do you not know that until you start playing games that he's got that it factor? Well, I, I thought we had it, but you got to see it in the games, you know. And it's funny at Purdue, uh, we ran the same exact play, and he ha- he took a bad shot when Gabe Kalsher was wide open. Um, you know, now because they put two on the ball when he was driving right. Well, this time they switched it, and he made the right play. You know, so experience is such a factor. And what I love about Marcus is, you know, he he never made an excuse after the Purdue game. He looked himself in the mirror, got off the mat, and kept going, you know. And and that's where you do see that it factor. There's no excuses to him. Uh, He's very workmanlike with, with, with his approach every single day. You know, there's not a lot of fluff, a lot of nonsense. Uh, he's here to work, and he's a really, really good player. Richard, did you have a timeout remaining at the end of the Ohio State game? It seemed the, the, in the back of my mind, I thought maybe he had one, and yet there was no hesitation. And I wondered if Ohio State would have appreciated that timeout as much as you to, to group. But, I mean, you, the ball came in, and Marcus knew what he was going to do, and it, it just seemed to work perfectly. Yeah, we had a timeout, um, but, you know, they had just called the timeout. Yep. So what I did was I said, okay, you know, here's what we're going to do defensively. Um, this is the play that we're going to run if they miss, if it's a tie game. Uh, I was going to call a timeout if they scored to get Alihan back in just from an offensive purpose, yep. uh, you know, because I had Jarvis in for defense. Um, you know, but to our guys' credit, like, they got the stop, they rebounded the ball, they stayed poised, they ran the play at the right time. And, uh, you know, there's so many times where it doesn't work in your favor. So if I, I'll take a little bit of a pat on the back when things go well. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why not? Because you know, you know, when it doesn't, you always get blamed. That's can true. you uh, begin to – is there a chance – I was talking to a coach from another conference, and he said there, there's at least 10 teams in the, in the Big Ten that should go to the NCAA tournament based on how good they are. How far do you think you could extend it if things play out in terms of the number of teams that make it from the conference based on the new formula and the scheduling and the points that you accrue? Well, you know, the numbers are very, very important. Um, it's, it's, we've talked a lot about it. It's changed. Uh, you know, I, I've uh, – certainly gone in depth about the net i think we have a top i was looking at ken palm today and i think they have a two strength schedule in the country um so you know we could justifiably 
you know, and again, I'm not looking at it like this, but we're just talking about NCAA. We could we could potentially win, you know, five more games, make the NCAA tournament, and hopefully we win more than that, and hopefully we, we keep getting better. But it depends on your quality of your wins, and we have 11 games left. Nine of them are quad one win opportunities. Nine. That's unbelievable. And you know, so so many of these teams are good. So many teams have really really good numbers with the advanced analytics. So. I think there's 12 justifiably that could get in for sure. Richard, uh, I believe there are a few seats remaining for a game this afternoon. If people haven't seen your team this year, great afternoon. There's no football on television, 2 o'clock. The Burton ceremonies halftime. This would be a great time to get out and go to go for a basketball game. For sure. Yeah, I mean, obviously the Willie Burton, you know, retirement ceremony is awesome. Um, you know, last time we played at Michigan State, they were unveiling, I think, Magic Johnson's championship team banner. I was, I was looking over like, oh, God, why are they here? Um, <laughs> but, but, but more than anything, I mean, I, you know, we're right in the hunt, you know, yep. to get back to an NCAA tournament three out of the last four years would be special with a very young team. You know, we've got, we've got the third most new players in the conference, and, you know, Nebraska and Northwestern are one and two. And, uh, you know, to have this many new players, I mean, you really think about it, Daniel, Gabe, and Jarvis, um, you know, really the only guys from last year, and Michael, you know, that that's not a lot. So we're doing some good things with a lot of newcomers, and a lot of our guys are really young, and they're great kids, and they're fun to cheer for. I want to thank you for coming on. A lot of coaches won't go on a game day for various reasons. They got shoot-arounds, whatever. Uh, we asked you, said you'd be happy to go on. Not everybody does that. I want you to know how much we appreciate that. Oh, I appreciate you having me. Thanks, right. Richard. All right, see you guys. Richard Patino, some twin stock coming up next. Sports Huddle, Sid, Dave, and Mike. We are back. Time to talk Twins baseball. Obviously, a huge Twins weekend. Sellout crowds Friday and Saturday at Twins Fest. Joining us right now, Derek Falvey. Uh, Derek, kind of fun. I talked to fans who said uh, they they enjoy the mix that they get at Twins Fest of the veterans, the guys who come back after 10 years, 20, 30 years, and then their first look at a lot of guys that they're going to be watching over the next 10 years. It was a great weekend down at uh, Target Field, for sure. I will tell you that uh, kicking off the end of the week and middle of the week with the Josh Donaldson con- press conference kind of led right into it perfectly. But uh, I will say this, talking to other teams and, and having worked for another team myself, uh, there's no team that has more alumni, current players, you know, rookies, young guys coming up to the minor leagues. We have a, a contingent of people here that I, I would say is absolutely second to none. So I, it's a it's an impressive weekend, and I'm glad the fans had a lot of fun. And and, and you can't. It's really fun because you run into I run into Jock Jones. I hadn't seen him for a while, and Eddie Gordado. But you'll appreciate this one, Dave uh, and Derek. Corey Koski, who you both know well, uh, Chris Atterbury shared this story with me yesterday. Was standing outside the clubhouse, and there was a a line of people gathering, and they started to point and look and uh, at Koski, and finally they all kind of started to chant at the same time, Rocco, Rocco. <laughs> they thought Koski was Rocco Baldelli with that bald head and uh, uh, scruffy look. So uh, Corey said, maybe it's time to move on in my life. <laughs> but Derek, uh, the Donaldson press conference was interesting because uh, – uh, you, you know, I, I mean, obviously it, he knew what he was doing. He was handle. But what I didn't realize about him was, because you referenced it, we're going to hear from him in a little while here, is how hard he had to work to get his break in the big leagues. This this is not someone that was uh, 18 years old, can't miss guy. No doubt. You know, this is, I think what you see now and everyone knows now is, is the superstar that he's become and, and a tremendous player in, in the league. But I, what it, we fail to remember is, is that adversity that he faced. You know, came up to the minor leagues, was sent back and forth, 
and when we had dinner after the uh, the night of the um, signing, he talked a little bit about that, you know, more personal side. He talked about how it helps him talk to young players about about going through that, and how oftentimes you'll hear a young player say, "I, I think I'm getting screwed by the team. It's not the right, you know, I'm, they're not giving me the opportunity." Yep. And he's the first guy to say, "Listen, you got to go earn that opportunity." And he'll help young guys go through those things when they struggle in that early stage of their career. It was fun listening to that, the way it played out, and the the role of selling the Twin Cities and selling uh, Rocco and, and the team in the community and kind of where he started and where he wound up on it. I think it's a credit to you and, and everybody in the organization. Well, I, I think, you know, certainly we have a tremendous team on the field. You know, last year uh, proved that we could do some special things, and, and to get to 101 wins is never easy. So I think he saw that first and foremost. What we wanted him to know was truly what the whole community was about and, and really get him uh, and his agent to understand, you know, communicate to him that this is who we are as the, as the Twins organization. This is who we are as Minnesota. And that, that's important because – in free agency, everyone thinks it always boils down to the financials. And, and while that's a primary driver, when you're talking about players of this caliber, they're going to have great offers from multiple clubs. They're going to have a lot of money on the table. So how do you separate yourself? And he clearly wanted to be here and a part of this organization, and we're fortunate as a result. Do you, you know, there's already, you know, conjecture and speculation about the edge that he brings and that it's all baseball when he gets in the clubhouse and he expects the same uh, do, do you rely on him uh, to, if he sees somebody that he thinks is laissez-faire or could take it a little more serious, do, do you, do you kind of give him free reins to say, hey, don't be afraid to confront, to tell, to whatever, or do, does that evolve naturally and organically? I, I think it's more the, the latter there, Mike. That it, it, it evolves organically, and certainly a conversation he'll have with Rocco and other leaders in the clubhouse. I, I truly believe that the best teams – have a kind of three phases of players. You have guys towards the back end uh, maybe of their career in terms of uh, how many years they have left and established. And he's one of those guys, certainly, he's, you know, whether it's Nelson Cruz or Rich Hill or guys that have been around and Sergio Romo and have competed, those guys really help you on the back end. Then you have those established you know, major league regulars, of, of which we have a number now, guys who have a few years of service. Then there's those young players. And I think guys like Josh, guys like Nelson, guys like Rich Hill are going to help those guys learn what it means to be a professional. And sometimes that causes some level of conflict, but it's all in the, in the interest of trying to make our team better. Derek, actually, a two-part question. Uh, you brought up Rich Hill. And I, what, what is his status? Is, is he's in the dugout until he's ready, or does he go somewhere and continue his rehab? So that's the one question. The second was, in the recruiting of Josh Donaldson, did the discussion at any point get around to the quality of great golf courses there are within driving distance of uh, the ballpark? You know, I'll, I'll answer the Rich Hill one first. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's a guy who, who adds so much to our team. When he's on the mound and healthy, this guy's been one of the best 10 to 15 pitchers in the game over the last four years. Now, we've got to get him healthy first, and that's the important part. He'll be around our team all through spring training, likely break with us, spend some time with us early. Then he's going to have to go on, uh, certainly on a rehab assignment to build himself back up away from the club. But we're excited about seeing him come sometime, hopefully, uh, in June. That's his goal. Uh, in terms of golf courses, you know, I can tell you this, that uh, we have <laughs> plenty in this area. He plays a lot of golf. I think he plays most of it in the off season. This guy's baseball obsessed in season, but uh, certainly doesn't hurt that he can play some uh, along the way here in the Twin City. You know, here's another two-parter for you. I sat down with Royce Lewis for a long time the other day. Uh, 
uh, Derek, and, and the two things that came out of it to me was he dealt with adversity maybe, you know, by his standards uh, this last year more so than ever before when it wasn't coming as naturally or as easily as it had in the past. A, what does that do for a guy if he's in the right, you know, can, can they ultimately, is that the best thing that can happen sometimes uh, to someone uh, to get them back on track? And B, you know, he talked on and on about, uh, you know, buying a house and living near Torrey Hunter now in Dallas and leaving uh, California and that he goes over and hits a Torrey's uh, house, which he said is more of a compound than he'd call it a house, but it's it's a nice place and, and the influence that Torrey is, is having on him. Did you encourage him to move towards Dallas, uh, towards Torrey, and, and do you think he's a better player for, because of the adversity? There's no question the adversity uh, is something that is beneficial to a young player. I, I've said this before, and I think it's somewhat jarring, and I'll say it in front of players, too, in the minor leagues, is I want you to fail before you get to the big leagues. I, I want you to find a way to struggle uh, and go through that and then come out on the other end. Because if the first time you fail is in the big leagues, you're going you're gonna to feel a lot more pressure, and you're not going to know whether or not you can get through that. And I think Roy certainly went through some struggles at times, uh, both from a health standpoint and from a performance standpoint. He learned how to get through and on the back end finished off his season with an you know, Arizona Fall League MVP playing about as well as he could have. And that's, that's huge for his growth and development. In terms of his time in Texas, you know, we, we've tried to develop relationships between some of our uh, senior statesmen and, and guys who are helping us out, whether that's Latroy Hawkins or Torrey Hunter, you know, Justin Morneau. Uh, Michael Kadire, among others, of all our alumni, and they help influence our young players grow and develop. Tori and, and Roy certainly made a great connection, and, and, and that, that built over time. And as it did, I think Roy saw the benefits in, in spending more time around Tori and, and guys around that, uh, that compound, as you say, to keep hitting and developing in the offseason. It'll serve them well in the long term. MLB.com this week came out with a list of top 100 minor league players. Twins had five of them. We, we know a lot of Fairmont by talking about Royce Lewis and Kirilov and Gratterall. But there's two others on, on the list. Maybe you could just fill us in a little bit. Larnick uh, was a high draft choice, a great college hitter, and then a pitcher that uh, people may not know too much about but is getting great reviews. Yeah, we're really fortunate with where our system is. You know, We talk about our major league team quite often and uh, where we were last year and hopefully where we expect to be in 2020. But the, the key here is the, life, the lifeblood to success and any level of sustainability is to have a tremendous minor league pipeline. And uh, I think we have five guys on that top 100 list, yep. and, and we're one of few teams with, with five or more. So uh, that, that's, that's unique uh, and certainly helps us in the long term. Now, Trevor Larnick's the guy we took in the first round a couple years ago. We, we actually felt he'd go higher in the draft, and we were very fortunate to get him. He's a tremendous left-handed hitter with power to all fields, plays a great right field. Uh, can move around, play both corners. He's he's on the come. He was our minor league player of the year, and I think is a very established bat. And then in Jordan Valzovic, you know, you've got a guy that is a is a long, lean right hander who who looks like they draw it up. You know, this guy's got big time velocity, can reach the upper nineties. He's really developed feel for his curveball and changeup. He's he's more advanced than his age would indicate, and uh, is one of the best young arms that, that certainly we have in the system, but even across all of minor league baseball. Derek, that being, you know, I was talking to Donaldson about this, and then like I said we'll share that interview shortly about, you know, the, the when you come to this lineup now, you don't have to think as much because you're just trying to try to drive the baseball. In the in the farm system, are you trying to develop guys to think like Larnick, to think that way, or do you still want him to be acutely aware of, 
hey, uh, there's a guy on first base with good speed. You might want to give him a pitch to steal. You might want you know. There's a lot of thinking that you can either choose to employ or not employ. How do you uh, or do you want to build this as the Bomba Squad going forward and, and make that what the whole organization's about? I think we want to make well-rounded hitters all the way through, and we want to individualize to that hitter. So we shouldn't coach Luis Arias the way we coach Miguel Sano. They're, they're just two different animals and, and two different players on the field. They, they approach each at bat differently. Our system needs to be set up from a coaching standpoint, from a resources standpoint, and certainly from a player acquisition standpoint to get the best out of each individual and tailor to their skills. So I, I would say right now, clearly, we have, you know, quite a bit of power, hopefully, at the, at the big league level. But we have a lot of on-base, too. You know, what, what goes unnoticed with Josh Donaldson is just his ability to grind out in a bat and take a walk in the right situation. Uh, he's very keenly aware of the importance of that. So even with the power, Nelson Cruz is no different in that way. I think you have some guys that are real, have the real discerning eye and understand what it means to be a, a good overall hitter at the big league level. Derek, a couple final questions about two people we've just talked about. Uh, Lewis uh, played some in the outfield uh, in Arizona, was the uh, player of the year or MVP in the Arizona Fall League. Where do you see him spending his time in terms of position uh, as he starts his uh, season this year in the minor leagues? And second, is Josh Donaldson your unofficial fourth-team catcher? <laughs> well, I, I, on Royce's, uh, from Royce's standpoint, our focus with him will continue to be shortstop. You know, he's such a good athlete. He can go play other positions. The only reason he played center field out in uh, the Arizona Fall League was because you actually have only so many designated priority positions out there. Everybody and, sends uh, a shortstop, right? <laughs> right, exactly. So you, you, try and, you try and fit in where you can. Uh, and we wanted him to get at bats. That was what's most important. They asked if he could play center. We said, absolutely. It's only going to help him down the line to, to test out his athleticism and, and build that into his skill set. So uh, he'll, he'll continue to play shortstop. And in terms of Josh's fourth catcher, I think you're going to have to ask Rocco that along the way. And maybe Josh, <laughs> I don't, hopefully we never have to see that. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Derek, thank you so much. We'll get you a certificate to Murray's, but it was uh, great spending time with you out there at Twins Fest as well. And we'll talk again real soon. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. All right, Derek Falvey, you can come back here from, well, we talked about Josh Donaldson. We're going to hear from Josh Donaldson next as you listen to the Sports Auto with Sid, Dave, and Mike. All right, we return to a little additional baseball talk. We're going to hear from Josh Donaldson. You had a chance to catch up with him. Mike, what were your impressions? We, we've we all seen him on TV. We we played against him, we being the twins. How about Josh Donaldson, the person? I think that he was on his absolute best uh and I, I, I want to couch this correctly. I think at the press conference, he's on his best behavior. And you could kind of see, as you listen to him, that there's a, there's something more to him than that. I'm I'm, a, I'm happy to be here, and I'm, I'm really thankful and appreciative. And he was. I mean, he, he understands that he went through hell and back by baseball standards to get to a $92 million contract. He is very appreciative of that and all that goes into it. But you almost felt like, he wasn't ready to unleash the real Josh Donaldson yet. You know, that, that'll come later. Well, and all his teammates say the best things about him, but they say he's a different kind of guy, yep. and he can be really intense in the clubhouse. Yep, and uh, I think there are people that um, are very specific about the, 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 They're very curious. Just to give you an example of if Eddie Rosario one hands one and it looks a little bit, doesn't hustle the first. Doesn't they're very curious as to see how that's gonna, how he's going to react to that, and I, that's just it, this is all fun baseball stuff. But but that, I think that there are people that are watching closely to see specifically how he reacts to specific players. 
Why don't we listen in and uh, get a chance to hear what he sounds like. What's the hardest part about making a decision on where you're going to play baseball next? I mean, I think there's just a lot, a lot of organizations have a lot of great things that are appealing to each and every organization. Um, you know, for me, just weighing out the pros and cons and, you know, being as thorough as possible, um, especially because this is going to be for four, possibly five years uh, of, of my life for the next four to five years. And uh, so with that pros and cons list, you know, we felt like the pros were just to where we, we were very happy and uh, exuberant to be a part of this organization. You know, when you look at the lineup, there's not a lot of hit and run and, and you know, Byron Buxton might have the green light, but pretty much you go in this batter's box think, thinking I'm going to drive the ball. Mm-hmm. Is that appealing and does that change an offensive approach? Well, I mean, I think if you go back five or six years ago when I started talking about hitting, that was my... That was my thought. Philosophy? Yeah. And so I'm, I'm excited about being able to do that and excited about being in a lineup with a uh, lineup full of guys that are capable of doing that as well. I was talking to Jack Morris, and he covered you in Toronto, and he mm-hmm. said, this guy, he comes in the locker room, and he's serious about mm-hmm. wanting to win, and, mm-hmm. and he brings an edge, and you can check his haircut out and everything yeah. else. And yeah, that's yeah. all you need to yeah. know about him. What does that mean to you when we talk like that? Well, I mean, it means a lot. I mean, it, ultimately, I, I'm here to compete. Uh, it's a long season, so it's not. I'm not completely 100% serious when I step in the clubhouse, but there's times to keep it loose and there's time to keep it serious. Uh, but when I step, I think the important part when you step on the diamond, you know, it's there's only one result that we're looking. One for. way to play. That's it. That's the only way I know how to play, and that's to, to go out and, and and try to win as. as whatever I can do to win. Last, does that mean you try to be a leader or does that mean you lead by that approach? Well, I mean, I, I definitely think that, I mean, whatever people say, are you a leader or whatnot? Look, I'm here, I've have, I have experience, I have advice to be able to give, I have uh, the ability to be able to relate to a lot of different players uh, a lot of, at, that are at a, maybe different junctures in their career. And, um, you know, I've had to rebuild it and type my swing completely. Um, you know, I had to I had to learn third base in the big leagues, uh, so there was a lot of things that, you know, a lot of learning that I've had to do, and so um, I've I've taken a lot of wisdom from a lot of different types of people, and I still have the ability to to give that to people as well, and at the end of the day, um, I think I've been to the playoffs seven of the eight seasons I've been in the big leagues, so. With that, with that amount of success, people, you know, look to look for guys like that. All right, that's Josh Donaldson. I think it's going to be interesting having Donaldson in the clubhouse. I look forward to having him on this show. Yeah, I do, I do hope we can get him. I think he's pretty committed to getting out there and grinding out his uh, batting practice routine and and everything else. But it was a nice, uh, uh, you know, baseball provides that for us. But given the excitement that they created last year and then bringing in Donaldson, it's fun to be out there and just see the folks at Twins Fest get excited about it and people are dialed in. And, uh, uh, you know, this is, Michael Kadire is walking down. And, and like I said, Jim Cott's there. I mean, it really is pretty pretty fun. Rod oh. Carew, and it, it's pretty fun to see all that, that, that sense of history and, and, and what the organization is. And a number of those guys were uh, there last night. I was at Crescent Cove. Yeah. You, you, for their gala. You've been there in the past. Boy, I tell you, if that doesn't get you, that's, that is that's a the ultimate, isn't it? heart-jerking thing. Yep. And, and to see the, you know, uh, Molitor was up on stage. Jack Morris was up there. Mauer, Morneau, uh, you know, Randy Dobnik was uh, 
Uh, Max Max Kepler had been there during the week. Yeah, it was. That is really something. There's only three of those in the United States. One of them here. Children's Hospice for people not aware. Exactly. Harmon Kilbrew had the had the vision for it uh, back before his death. So that really an interesting night, and uh, they raised a lot of money for an absolutely great cause. If you're if you're not aware of it, you should be aware of it. It's It's a terrific thing in the community. I just wanted to say we got 10 seconds here before we sign up. We will not have go for football coach P.J. Fleck on at 10:30. He's got a juniors day at the University of Minnesota, so he's fully involved in people there. So he'll probably be back next week again. But no. P.J. Fleck this week. Uh, we'll be back two hours to go. Sports Huddle, Sid, Dave, and Mike. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 